Good afternoon, LBC Radio. This is Corey Rosen with the Story Podcast. Today I have on a special guest, Miss Autumn Phillips. Autumn Phillips is an actor, singer, dancer, dance teacher, and choreographer from Chester County, PA. She earned her BA in theater performance from Franciscan University of Steubenville, Ohio. And in 2021, she moved back to PA upon graduation. She has since performed in a variety of shows in the past few years, including The Crucible, Sense and Sensibility, Shrek the Musical, Jesus Christ Superstar, and A Christmas Carol. She'll be performing in some murder mysteries this summer with Without AQ Productions and was most recently seen on stage in SpongeBob the Musical with Revival Productions. She has also choreographed two high school productions of Beauty and the Beast almost simultaneously this past spring and has choreographed productions of My Fair Lady and Chicago. Autumn has taught a variety of dance classes with amazing companies around the area, including Servant Stage and Revival Productions Arts Conservatory. Most recently, she was promoted to the group class slash summer coordinator at Rev Pack. Autumn is so thankful for the opportunity to create and share art and most especially loves teaching young artists to find themselves through the beauty of their art. Autumn, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So what inspired you to become this dancer, this uh, musician, the singer, the actress? Um, well, I think originally it was because I would like start singing and dancing around the grocery store and my parents realized we need to put her in dance classes or something because otherwise she's going to be a menace. Um, <laughs> so I got signed up into dance and theater classes basically as long as I can remember um, and just really fell in love with it and was around the time I was like, 14 I want to say like I just realized I didn't ever want to stop and I was like I gotta just make this a really big part of my life and now I have and I spend every day doing some sort of theatrical endeavor so basically you were the piggy from sing right? yes yes absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what is it like to be a choreographer how how what knowledge do you have to have to have to uh ascertain to be able to group together people, uh, acknowledge their different skills, and then make something look good? Uh, yeah, it can be a lot. It's definitely a lot of fun. I would say, obviously, having a dance background is very important. I don't really think you could choreograph anything if you didn't dance. Um, but I don't even consider myself to be like the most fabulous of dancers, but I still love uh, choreographing because I feel that dance is such an impressive artistic movement in which you are telling stories and creating art through the emotions of your dance movements, um, which made no sense really. But to me, I feel like there's just such a depth to it. And so when I'm choreographing, it can be challenging to work around people's like different skill sets, especially in a high school level, which is what I do a lot of because you do have students who are very well trained and then others who have never danced before they're just there they're yeah and they're like well i guess i i don't know i just was told i need to be in the musical and now i am here and you're telling me to dance and what is a kickball change i can't do that but <laughs> I don't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it's really fun to also get to see these kids start to understand this and all of a sudden be like whoa I can I can do that. This is really fun, actually. I enjoy this. So having the challenge of overcoming these differences in skills and understanding and then watching it all come together is amazing. But it, it can be challenging. Um, so I do like to try and keep things simpler so that it can be done well as opposed to overly challenging and kids can't always grasp it right away and you can do a lot of uh, stuff that looks good i remember uh one of my first dancing experiences was uh Shapoopy from the music man mm -hmm. and just even chasseing from side to side and uh you know grabbing your partner spinning them around was you know very very simple but my gosh that looked great mm -hmm. especially for a bunch of high schoolers yeah <laughs> when you can get those high schoolers to be doing something in unison cleanly it just looks phenomenal yeah. So what is it like having to work for children? What are some of the biggest uh, hurdles you have to get past? 
Um, do you mean like the young children or the teenagers? Well, I, let's do both. Okay, the young children, um, getting them to stay focused and motivated can be exceedingly <laughs> challenging, uh, especially because kids in a in a dance class specifically for me, um, it, I mean, it's physically exhausting. And so if you have kids in like multiple classes or even just one class, it can feel like a really long time for them to have to mm. stay focused on doing something specific with their bodies, which can be really challenging is keeping them interested and engaged. And so trying to focus on the fact that they're there to grow as artists, but also to have fun, I think is really important. Um, and I think that that can be helpful, but it's, it can still be hard. And then with teenagers, um, I think the challenges come from if you're an inexperienced dancer as a teenager, it can just be hard because you're so much older. Your your muscles are and bones are pretty developed. I mean, you're mm-hmm. still usually growing, but it's harder to get into that. Like learning a new language when you're four is a lot easier than yeah. when you're 16. So it's the same thing. Uh, but as long as the teenagers have a good attitude, I love working with them because they have this work ethic and this drive that's inspiring. It's all about the attitude, really. Because um, when I was younger, I was like, well, what, what's the point? But you got to realize with theater, it there's like certain, um, there's a flow to it, right? When the emotions come too much for dialogue, you sing it. When the, the emotions come too big for singing, you dance it. And that's why dancing really matters mm-hmm. in musical theater because it's it's the portrayal of that great emotion that you can't just get across by singing. Absolutely. So what were some of the challenges for you as a child in dancing and singing and all these different things? What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome or face as a child? Um, well, I think I can still kind of say that this is somewhat accurate for myself still is finding the time to do it all. Because um, if you're a kid who wants to be in shows – It takes up a lot of time, but then also if you want to be taking dance classes so that you can be better at dancing for those shows, it also takes up time. And then, I mean, when I was really little, I also wanted to play sports. And Mm. so that was also hard because I was like, how do you fit all this in? And that's something as an adult, I'm still like, how do I fit all this into my schedule? It's nearly impossible. But uh, that's part of the, the fun challenges, I'd say. But I'd say also as a kid, some challenges were just like, I wouldn't consider myself uh, naturally gifted when it comes to a lot of the arts. And I think that's something I've been needing to continue to strive to overcome is I need to have so much more of a work ethic to be able to be at all successful than some other people, which is like fantastic for them. But not having that inherent, I've always had that inherent desire uh, but maybe not as much of a natural gift as other people, which is still fine. I mean, you just keep working and everything will be okay. If you do what you love, you're going to get good at it mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah. And, you know, so granted the talent helps, but if you're going to work at it, you're going to get good. Exactly. Even talent can only take you so far as well. So you were also pretty tall. Yes. How has that had its effect on your theater career? Um. Well, I am five foot nine, I think. I actually, I genuinely, people will be like, I think you're wrong. I think you're taller than that, but I'm just going to stick with I'm five foot nine. And that can be challenging because, especially when I'm wearing like two and a half, three inch dance heels, I look like a giant on stage. Uh, And if my scene partner is shorter than me, sometimes that can get weird because I, I guess, like, socially, especially if it's like a guy girl scene and I'm taller than a guy, then people just think it looks weird. So, I mean, there's been times when I've been blocked to be sitting down uh, and the guy is standing. Or as a dancer, I oftentimes find myself needing to stand in the back row simply so that I'm not, like, blocking people. Or if I am, Mm. if I'm, like, blocked or choreographed to be in the front row, I have this inherent feeling of this feels weird because I'm taller than everybody they're all hidden behind me. So it is just kind of this, like, I guess, subconscious thing that I'm like, I'm tall, I need to be in the back, which is just interesting. It, it, well, yeah, because the, the quote-unquote perfect dynamic is you got the tall guy, the tall, handsome dude, and then the short, also really pretty girl. 
Um, but it's it kind of gets thrown off for us even because it's not socially quote unquote acceptable or mm-hmm. culturally re- relevant. I guess. I guess yeah. Uh, it's a weird <laughs> way, way to put it. Where uh, what the average height for guys is like five eight five. Five, like around yeah. there, and the average height for women is like five five something like that. Uh huh. Five seven, I don't know. Um, but and then you have you as five nine. I know some girl who are six foot, and I'm like, I'm granted I'm six four, so it's not. It's not <laughs> <laughs> I'm a giant, but for, for even when I see girls that are like your height, I'm like, wow. Uh huh. That's big. So I'm sure on stage people can be like, wow, hey, hold on, what's this going on here? Yeah, it can. It's definitely different. And strange, but also, I mean, a fun challenge to overcome as well. And also, I think people are starting to realize that, like, oh, yeah, women can also be tall. (laughs) I mean, like, (laughs) you just look around. The average might be lower, but, like, it's not impossible. No, it's not impossible. I've met some very taller women than me sometimes, and I'm like, hold on a second. Yeah. (laughs) So what's it like being a woman in the theater? There's got to be a whole lot of differences, a whole lot. I've heard I've heard it's a lot more stressful. It definitely can be. I mean, outside of just like challenges that women face in general because that's just how life can be. Um you can't deny the fact that within the theater industry especially as actors, there are so many more parts written for men, and yet there are so many less men interested in doing mm-hmm. theater. So you have, like, thousands of girls who all want to play these, like, two parts, and then you have, like, five men who want to play these, like, three male parts. So, like, it, there's always just going to be that sort of, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't want to say, like, unfairness, but they men will have an advantage because there's less of them and there's more parts for them, which is just more opportunity. So much more opportunity. I mean, there was like that meme or whatever that talked about like high school kids in theater. And it was like, the girl was like, Oh, I I go to these theater summer camps with like Broadway stars every single year since I was two years old. And I'm so excited to play tree number three. And then it's Mm -hmm. like a boy and he's like, I, I don't know. The theater teacher cornered me after math and said I had to play Shrek. Like, right? It's just so different. So it is challenging as a woman to have to put in more work to be able to find jobs or opportunities, just because they're less of them. Do you think that your dancing heightens your opportunity? Yeah. Heightens your chances? Yeah. I mean, compared to people who don't dance, I definitely appreciate the fact that I know I can also rely on like ensemble parts because that's so much fun to be able to dance and focus completely on that in a show. Uh, so I do think that that is helpful. Do you think that, because there are so many people that want to be leads all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you, what do you, what is your opinion on having to accept being okay with ensemble? I think it, it all goes with like what, work are you willing to put into it because i think yeah obviously like people people do theater as much as we're like oh it is a beautiful art it is but people also do because they're like i want to be a lead and i want Mm -hmm. to be the star which is fine i mean we all want that at some point but if you put in the work necessary in an ensemble part you can make it just as important because the ensemble is hugely hugely important to the story that's why they're there right like, it's I'd almost <laughs> argue it's more important than the lead itself yeah i mean where would these giant shows be without their ensemble they would be boring there would right. be no dancing they would just be like a couple of people like singing which is great but that's a concert that's not a musical it, that's yeah yeah so it's so important and i think especially like as a dancer so many lead roles. I mean, there are, of course, like lead dance roles that I would love to play one day. But like so many lead roles are often like a park and bark sort of thing if we're talking musicals. Uh, and so they don't really dance and you don't really get to challenge that part of the art. Oh, park and bark. It's just sit there and, and yep. talk and sing. <laughs> yep. Gotcha. I was like, what, is that what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> Stand there and sing your face off, which is amazing and so fantastic. But I personally have way more fun a lot of times dancing nonstop and just being like I am actually basically doing an entire workout class during this show and having a great time 
Yeah, speaking about workout, what are some of the stretches that you need to do beforehand? Some of the things you need to think about during because there's a whole bunch of things that can go wrong if you aren't paying close attention to yourself. Yeah, uh, I have a full like half hour stretching routine that I try to do every day, whether or not uh, I'm I'm doing any other physical movement. I lift like three days a week in general, anyway, uh, three or four, and then I try to dance a lot but like every day before a show i try i really try sometimes it's like there's technical things going on but i try to always do a full ballet bar warm-up before every single show unless it's like if it's a straight play i will just do my normal daily stretching routine i'm not going to worry about like oh i need to do a ballet bar if this entire show all i do is like stand there and talk Mm -hmm. um (laughs) like there are other things i could be doing like more intense like vocal warm-ups or something like that. Uh, But I do try and keep myself super, super warm and like loose muscles the whole time so that I can be more careful to not hurt myself. Um, Because, yeah, if you get injured, that's not good. I mean, it's it's bad enough if you're not performing. But yeah, you're kind of like, wow, I'm I'm out. Like I actually, I hurt my knee somehow recently and it's still like, I'm not really sure what I did to it. But I'm really thankful that I'm, I'm not in a show at this very second because I can take some time to like try to heal it as opposed to if I needed to be dancing for three hours straight tonight, I don't know if I could. So what are some of the like muscles you have to focus on? Because stretching is very important, even if you aren't dancing or anything, mm-hmm. just to keep flexible. It's very, what, what are some stretches that people like, like regular people like you and I could, well, I guess you are a dancer, <laughs> but like person, like someone like me that can do the really... Uh, enhance our mobility uh i definitely would first of all just start with like deep breaths in and out with like a plie and reaching up for the sky and down like five times and then just reaching for your toes and kind of letting everything out like just deep breaths and then a plie and a stretch so bending your knees straightening your knees and very very slowly um and then reaching for each ankle for a certain amount of time Uh, a lot of like hip mobility exercises are really important i like doing like spider-man's like you know like like a spider-man yes. pose and like walking back and forth side to side um and that's really fun with kids too because yeah, you tell sure. them like hey guys we're gonna be spider-man and they're like oh wow and they just think they're having fun and you're like actually you're really stretching so it's really good for you um so there are like whole things i'd say focus a lot on like hamstrings and quads and like your hips and everything i mean i mean really just your entire body be (laughs) warm loosened i do feel like as a dancer there are many times i am dangerous about not fully like stretching my arms and shoulders as much as i can because i'm always like oh legs hips ankle all of that i'm good and then like my shoulders i have not been stretching that's not good so and um you have to post do you post stretch as well yes absolutely and why is that important? Uh, because once you're working your muscles, you're just tightening them back up. So, like, I like to, like, roll everything out with a lacrosse ball or, um, or like, an actual roller and really just making sure that your muscles are stretched out again. So, like, when you first start stretching before a show or just before anything, it's also really important to make sure that you're not just going into it cold. Mm. Um, so, if you think of, like, a rubber band... Like, if you take a cold rubber band and just pull it as hard as you can, it's going to break. Right. You need to, like, slowly loosen it up and move it around. And then it can stretch itself a little further, which is way healthier. And then at the end, once it's all loosened up and then tightened back up from, like, lots and lots of movement, you need to slow it back down. Interesting. Yes. So I um, that probably builds a lot of stamina for, for theater. Yes. How... It, is that just a workout routine after workout routine? Because how much stamina does it take to do a theater show? Oh, You're doing a lot. Three hours of constant moving, sometimes singing while dancing. Oh, yep. Yeah. How does one practice for that? So I think I started bothering my neighbors a little bit too much, but I would go on runs and sing at the same time, um, <laughs> which, yes, yeah, not ideal. So now I just like do jumping jacks and sing at the same time. Um, I do need to just like buy a stationary bike finally so i can just do that but uh any kind of just like practicing that stamina because it's one thing to be like oh i can sing that song and i got that dance 
But putting those together is really, mm-hmm. really challenging because you're using up way more energy. And already when you're moving or singing, your breathing is going to be a little different. So when you need to do them at the same time, you need to have that practice of doing them at the same time. How do you control your breath? I mean, what do you what do you mean? Like cause when, when you're running, you but then you got to sing and then you got yeah. you got to like control your airflow and like all that kind of stuff. It's jazz. hard. I mean, I like I guess I try and think about how would I breathe if I was just singing it and focus first on that and try to work the the out of breathness from the dancing into the the singing breathing if that makes any sense well it's a, it's, a, it's probably <laughs> much more complicated than that because i yeah. mean you got to think about it you're you're trying to catch your breath yep and you're trying to push air out i'm sure there's a lot of concessions you got to make sometimes like okay i can't i just can't do that dance move because i can't personally sing while doing that particular dance move mm-hmm. because it's just too strenuous What's it like creating a dance routine? It can be really hard, but also really, really fun. I mean, and every every choreographer has a different process. I need to just, like, put on the music that I need to choreograph to and improv for a little bit and see if I like anything. Um, and then I'll just start writing it down. Like, I'll, I'll put it on and just kind of improv, see what happens. And then if there's moments that I'm like, oh, I really like that, I write it down. And if not, then I just get past it and keep going till I'm like getting things that I really like. And then if I get stuck, I will just kind of walk away and just listen to the song and not try to choreograph to it, but just listen and then see it in my brain. Because a lot of times I can even be like driving and listening to a song and then I can see what I would choreograph like in my brain. Um, But I mean, it's definitely a it's a moving target and it's challenging to do it all at once. So it's. Piece by piece. This might be a self-explaining question, but or a dumb question, but how do you how do you choose the style of dance per your piece? Um, most of the time, I mean, what I'm used to is like musical theater. So most of what mm. I'm choreographing for is always going to be more like theater jazz oriented. I mean, there's been moments when the piece with in that show happens to need to focus more ballet or it's a more expressive piece and it can be more contemporary or it's an obvious tap number. Um, But most of what I've worked on personally as a choreographer is theater jazz style. So I use like jazz techniques and then the pizzazz of the theater jazz and depending on the show, maybe some influence from famous choreographers or stylized versions that have kind of developed throughout theater history. Who have you uh, found to be interesting to be influenced by choreographer-wise? Um, Bob Fosse. <laughs> I I wrote my senior thesis on Bob Fosse, and <laughs> I just have forever been absolutely inspired by his work. Uh, more specifically, not I could do a whole TED Talk on it, but specifically the women who influenced his work. Um, but I don't need to go into that too long because I could probably talk about him for like five hours straight. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. But Um, I mean, look up some of his stuff. It's absolutely amazing. And the way he changed theater history and dance forever is iconic. So what do you do now? I do many, many things. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I'm the, I'm the group class and summer camp coordinator at revival productions, performing arts conservatory which essentially means that I, I mean, right now we are at the height of summer camps, so I'm sort of the liaison between the production company and parents and teachers and campers and organizing all of this, making sure that we have the right camp counselors for those particular camps that we're working on and organizing the scheduling. And I'm also currently working on revamping our group class schedule for next fall so that the conservatory can really hit the ground running in the fall with the rest of the school year which is a really fun challenge um and definitely something that i am really loving getting to explore this whole new opportunity but i also then teach at revival while i'm also the coordinator i i am sometimes my own 
person that I need to go to when I'm one of the camp counselors or when I'm teaching some of the classes there. So that's always fun. And then I also try to act and perform wherever I can and pick up other dance teaching sessions when I can and also choreographing multiple school musicals throughout, you know, just all those like crazy busy lifestyle things that make life exciting. So tell me more about the uh the, the like the summer camp stuff and then the fall camp stuff cuz this I I the full disclosure here. I I've, I've worked with Revival Productions before and it's been a lot of fun and they do really incredible stuff. I I ran I was the music director of or co-music director of school uh one of their productions for kids and it's a it's truly a lot of fun. Yeah, so I mean I absolutely adore it there and um I just I love everything that Heather has done with this company and I love the kids there and I love getting to see them come into camp every day and have an absolute blast. Like this week right now for the next two weeks we're doing Frozen Kids mm-hmm. which is like the the Broadway kids version of the musical Frozen and the kids seem like they're just having a great time. Like they'll come into camp from nine to four every day and they're just rehearsing this whole musical and a lot of them it's like their first show we have a lot of really young kids in this production and so it's their first time of really getting to focus in on like okay this is going to be your blocking let's practice your music we're going to learn some choreography so seeing these kids like their eyes light up as they're starting to understand how it's all going to come together into this show that they get to show their parents and it's a really great time and so why do you think that this that revival production and summer camps are different than all the others that are out there? Oh, that's actually that's a really hard question. I I don't know cuz there are there are many many amazing summer camp opportunities all over at so many different theater companies that I think do a really great job, but I think we bring in some really incredible staff who know how to work with the kids and challenge them but also make it an absolute blast and I think that we also have so many different unique kinds of camps that can't be found everywhere like the frozen kids is really really fun but there are a lot of companies that do production camps where you put on a show but we also do non-production camps where we just learn other creative things like last week we did an imagine that camp where it was all about using the imagination and creativity and like creating these worlds for themselves and we also did an art camp where they learned like fine arts and painting as well as set design and lighting design and so many different things that I feel like a lot of places don't do so I think that that's also a (laughs) uh, if you if you pitched oh yeah kids are going to touch electricity (laughs) you know (laughs) like set up lighting designs that was one thing we could not touch in like high school like the lighting stuff Mm -hmm. that was off limits for for anybody except like the theater director Yep. So that's a, that's awesome. Um, what are your fall camps like? Well, in the fall, we are going to be having uh, our usual school session classes. So we are going to bring back our dance classes, which will have ballet, tap, jazz for all levels from like age two to age 18. Um, and we'll separate by age and level and really delve into these amazing dance classes so that especially kids who like do theater and want to be dancing can really get to study this as well as a lot of acting classes mostly in like six or eight week sessions which will allow both kids and adults to really mold themselves into amazing actors through studying because I feel like there are so many kids who get to do shows which is fantastic but having the opportunity to really train outside of like a university level is such an incredible opportunity that's awesome it sounds like you're having a lot of fun at revival absolutely revival productions is awesome i'm going to be having heather grayberg the founder and owner of revival next week so we'll get to hear way more about that next week oh yes she can go way more in depth than i can and she is absolutely amazing she is she has been an inspiration for me for for sure uh, she's awesome, but more f- about you and your personal life. You are okay. a Christian, right? Yes. How does your faith interplay uh, with your career? I mean, sometimes 
uh, it can be challenging because, especially in uh, an artistic setting, there's always going to be temptations towards like a sort of selfish mindset that become very much about like me, 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 as opposed to how can I use this art to glorify God? Um, so I think it's important as a Christian to make sure we're thinking about refocusing and why are we doing these things? It's not for my own glory and my own fame, but there needs to be a greater purpose. So I think that while it's a challenge, it's also a call to greatness as a Christian is to use art for the greater good. So how how do you do that within the theater boundaries? Because there's a lot of things you can do in theaters that might not be so Christian-like. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes to like, there's always going to be shows that might not have the uh, the most aligned morals with my own. So, I mean, it's good to take a step back beforehand and, I mean, maybe even think about before anything, like, what, should I even audition for this? Mm. Should I even consider it? Or should I think, like, uh, maybe not. Like, maybe, maybe this is not something I need to be worried about because when it comes down to it, there's it's just going to bring up more issues. But then also being able to look at things and realize like, okay, this has some dark points, um, but are those dark points and the darkness of that plot and the character and the evil within that, is that going to have a stronger message of good that comes out of it? Like playing a villain and recognizing what my character is doing is inherently evil but is showcasing that on stage allowing me to be part of this story that can show how the good is always greater than the evil or something like that. Right. It's it's working that balance of, okay, yeah, I know that this player is actually evil mm-hmm. and all that jazz, but in the greater story arc, is it going to be redeeming or is it not? Mm-hmm. So it's really working out that, that uh, sort of balance and and really figuring it out. And it's tricky. It's definitely always going to be quite difficult to think that through. Right. So with that in mind, um, like talking about honoring God, what is worship to you? Could you be more specific? Like, how would you define worship? What is what is what do you find to be your acting of worship? Is it when you dance? Is it when you show off your your talents in the and gl- God and a God <laughs> and a God uh, glorifying way, etc. Yeah, I think all of the above. I think that there is so much to be said for worshiping God through our everyday actions um, and just being a person who is trying, even even not through like super specific ways uh, or super obvious ways, but trying to just share the light of Christ with people through who we are and how we interact with them. And I think that that should showcase through our art, whether we are like singing in church, which obviously has so many of its own fruits and is so amazing and wonderful. But I feel like within theater and performance, like telling stories and allowing these stories and these moments on the stage to have this redemption quality and move people through art, I think, is its own form of worship. As long as people leave feeling like they're fulfilled in some way and not necessarily like holy because you're you're not going to become like a brand new person because you saw some stupid play. But like <laughs> as long as people are able to leave with some sort of feeling of like movement towards goodness, I think that that is a way of worshiping God as well. I don't know. I saw Sight and Sounds Jesus, and I left a completely changed person. I mean, which is also super powerful and super great. Um, If you haven't seen any Sight and Sounds production, it'll change you as a person, I'm sure. Uh Uh-huh. What was it like to go to school at a, a, correct me if I'm wrong, but Franciscan is a Catholic university, right? So what was it like uh, going to music for musical, music theater? Theater. Performance at a Catholic school. I I really liked it. Um, I mean, overall, it was a smaller program, which I thought was really nice because we were able to become really close friends within our department and with our professors and with each other and really 
be more focused in on the quality and the depths of the shows that we were doing. And I like the fact that the professors would have these conversations with us about like, why were we choosing these plays and how could these plays, which oftentimes would have very evil people and things about them, like how were these plays actually moving towards Christ or going to inherent, like in the end, be redeeming and be Christ-centered as opposed to not if that makes any sense. No, that, that, <laughs> no, it does make sense, because that's a conversation we have at LBC a lot. Uh, like when Kinky Boots came to the Fulton Theater, we had, mm-hmm. there was a big conversation of, well, what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. Um, I I wonder, though, if, because typically Christians tend to be more conservative in, a, in being theater being more liberal-ish area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there ever any hesitation for you or your parents or, or like the university as a whole to really push out in the theater? To push out in the theater? Like, like to, to go in the theater, um, it being a more liberal oh, area. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Okay, yeah. I mean, ever since I was a kid and, like, wanting to get into theater, there were always going to be those reservations for my family um, because just, like, stereotypically, it's... Right. N- there are going to be some very unchristian themes that you have to deal with within the theater. Um, and, I mean, even at my university there were always people who accused even my very very christian professors of like pushing boundaries because they didn't quite understand what they were doing they were just like oh this is some like crazy progressive stuff like when this happens here too (laughs) yeah and it's like but actually no you there's more it's more nuanced like you're just you're not getting it is all it is which is that not trying to be like oh, we're so much wiser than you and you just don't get what we're doing. Um, But there were times when people even at my school would say that the theater program was going far too progressive and we were like, no, we're actually, everything we're doing is for Christ and and here's why. Uh, But there is definitely always going to be that concern within theater, within like as a Christian and having different values, it's always going to be hard. And I know one of my professors dealt with that as well in Hollywood and trying oh, wow. to yeah, ben, yeah, <laughs> yeah, trying to deal with those like very different like value systems. Yeah, it's 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 always interesting because there's like even in the Bible, you mm-hmm. can you can look at some stuff in the Bible and be like, wow, that's not biblical at all. But like, but you know, it's like, but it, it's all pointing biblical. to Christ. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's some stories in the Bible that are horrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be from you know the Egyptians killing all the babies to you know Elijah sending off bears to maul children, you know, etc. Like that. <laughs> like it's um very un not you know not Christ like things. Yeah. Uh, and but it all points to Christ. It all mm-hmm. points the need for a savior. It all points to the redemptive qualities of Christ in the gospel. Yeah, one of my favorite things is reading the Old Testament and just like pointing out like this. Look at how it all leads right to Jesus. Like it's it's right, just it's a whole buildup. <laughs> it's it's all right there. Look 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 look. look. It, you know, and people think, well, well, duh, it's the Bible. But and people don't think that uh, extra biblical. You know, things outside of the Bible can't lead to Christ. That's mm-hmm. not that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. Um, where am I going? <laughs> I don't know. But well, I mean, it's, it's, people do view things very black and white when it comes comes to the Bible, uh-huh. and there is a lot of nuance. And people will be like, "Well, uh, the Little Mermaid isn't biblical at all," but there you can find something in there that redeems. I'm sure you could. I'm sure the Little Mermaid. I'm mean, at least the Disney version is one that I actually have issues with. Oh really? Well, yeah, but I don't have to get into it. Well, because well, I'm trying to think of of Harry Potter. Harry Potter can be if you look at it in the right angle. You know, it's. it's... I never actually read it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but like people, people trash on Harry Potter. Yeah. The, like Christians trash on oh, Harry yeah. Potter all the time. I I know that for a fact uh, because people. People look at me. I, I told them, oh, I've watched Harry Potter, but I haven't watched The Lord of the Rings. And people are like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> you <Yeah>. evil sinner. <laughs> but I'm like, well, listen, Harry Potter has a lot of Christ-like themes to it. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, same with Lord of the Rings itself has 
so much evil that has to be right. overcome. But we all we all know Lord of the Rings is Christ centered at its core, and right. so we don't argue like, oh, that evil is bad, so it's against it, Christ. We're like, no, it's it's very Christian. Let's say if if you give trash about Harry Potter, you have to give trash to at least Lord of the Rings, at least Narnia, uh huh, because <laughs> it's all sorts. But we know that both Lord of the Rings and Narnia are Christian, are very Christ, so like, very quote unquote Christian, because you know Christians wrote those things. Uh huh. Um, but you can find Christ anywhere you look. If if granted, there are some places that Christ is not, but you can find Christ in yes. a lot in a lot of situations that Christ wasn't even meant to be in. Yep, absolutely. Um, I mean, because we're all made in the image and likeness of God, so every single human being. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> so, um, what are uh, some mistakes that you have made? that you think can be avoided you mean like in theater or in like theater okay yeah um because i was gonna say like uh study for math tests i didn't <laughs> do that and that was a big mistake um within the theater i think uh being extra prepared i know like a weakness of mine is maybe not preparing for auditions as much as much as i know i should um and so i mean just but that's life in general. Just like work harder than you think you need to, uh, especially when it comes to trying new things. So be overly prepared for auditions and just in general, like really, really train, like really, really train. Because I feel like as a kid, I maybe didn't train quite as hard as I could have. And I feel like now you're playing catch up. Yeah. So I'd say train, work hard, train, actually put in the the dedication that you know you need because if you love it you love it and working that hard will be just all the more rewarding it won't actually be a chore so theater can be a, a very uh emotional place for people what <laughs> no yes, yes yes yeah there have been many times where i've I travel the halls of LBC and I just hear the faint crying in the distance oh, yeah. of someone in the practice room losing their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, how does one deal with all that stress and all of that? Because it's very competitive as well. Oh, absolutely. How does one deal with that uh, and not go into depression or anxiety or et cetera? So I, I mean, I say let yourself cry first. Like let let the emotions come to you because theater is also about emotions good bad ugly everything i mean when you're acting you need to be able to access these kinds of emotions all the time so don't ever try to deny it don't ever deny the hurt that you feel from the rejection or or the happiness that you feel from getting cast like feel it all um and understand where it's coming from but when it comes to like the the sadness from a rejection feel it for like a day and then move on and work even harder the next time. And also recognize that a lot of times when you don't like book something, it's not that you're not good. It's that you're just not meant for that part. And that's okay because rejection is just redirection. Maybe you mm. didn't get that show because you're meant to do something else like a month later that's way better for you. So just kind of take everything, feel it, and move on. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about uh, my plan versus God's plan. Oh, and that. Yes. Uh, because it, we can, especially with theater, we can get so drawn up and say, "Well, why didn't I get that?" You know, mm -hmm. and, and or is or it, it can be it can turn against God, the kind of thing. It's like, "Well, God didn't let me get that. How dare he?" Or, am or am I just worthless because I didn't get this and I'm not getting that? Mm -hmm. It's it, we can become blind to a lot of the possibilities from uh, not being rejected in one way, and you got to keep your doors open too. Absolutely, yeah. Because there's a lot of chances, well, maybe you didn't get that lead role, but hey, you can get ensemble. Mm -hmm. Or hey, you can get stage crew. And pe people like to or, uh, downgrade the stage crew sometimes or like backstage stuff. But really, it's that's... It's so much more essential, honestly. Like, honestly. What, what is the show without the crew? Right, exactly. And and it's going to give you so much more experience, so much more insight to how how it works and then... That's another thing you could put on your resume because, yeah. honestly, if if you're going to make yourself a really big threat, quote unquote, in, in the theater community, 
have a resume full with like <laughs> stage school experience, like lighting experience, uh-huh. and acting experience, dancing experience. You're good. People are gonna look at your resume and be like, "Okay, maybe you won't be an actor, but we'll put you on the lighting team." Yeah, and there's again, just like there's so many more girls going for parts. There's so many more just actors trying to act, but there's not as many people trying to do anything tech related in the theater, and that's so important. So go after that. Yeah, and there's and and if you're like, how do I learn? Well. Find, go to a, a theater, be like, hey, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And, and that's one way to get a job as well. Like, I, how yeah. many times have I gone to Heather and be like, hey, what do you need? I need, I need to do something. Uh-huh. And I, I've, I've had, I've helped on the audio for Ruby. And I, I've done stage crew for uh, LBC's Ruth by asking mm-hmm. that way. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I wanted to be a part of uh, Sight and Sound's first off Sight and Sound uh, production of one of their uh that was not the way, best amazing. way to say that <laughs> no that's still amazing <laughs> right and but it's just all about asking of hey where can i where, where can i do something to be a part of this and you know maybe the first time it's an internship maybe the mm-hmm. first time you don't get but the second time you're gonna know what you're doing yes so how important do you feel it is to diversify your involvement with theater so so important like know everything, know how to do everything, be prepared for anything, be able to be an actor, dancer, director, lighting designer, stage manager, just every part of the theater and putting on any kind of production is so vastly important. So being able to fill any of those roles is just so necessary when going into any kind of career in the arts or even like just life. Being mm. able to take on any of these roles and do it with poise and grace is incredible. And it'll just get you through all the harsh things in life outside of theater or work or whatever. Let's say being a director and having to manage kids is has helped me immensely yeah. in my job today. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I, it's so hard. Kids are, are you know, it's... A, I've Challenging. It's challenging. <laughs> it, it's... I've heard... Um, the, the expression have uh, trying to direct musicians is like herding cats. Mm-hmm. Same thing applies to children. 100%. Yes. 100%. Because yeah. they'll go off in so many directions that you, can, <laughs> as an adult, cannot follow. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that, that includes physically and <laughs> mentally, uh-huh. especially. Because I have had, I, I had a child yesterday who was so upset because he couldn't wear his shoes in the pool. Yep. That was the old. That was the one thing that he he just could not. Ha- he he would not give me an inch yeah. of anything just because he couldn't wear shoes in the pool. It's like to an adult that's like, why? Why is that something you want to do? Why? First of all, right. So yeah, it's hard because their rationale can be so different. Mm-hmm. And just trying to figure out, okay, what is it, what makes this kid click? Mm-hmm. And having to push kids, especially. Having the knowing the the wherewithal to uh, push a child, because yeah. you can you can either uh, do really good work or you can do really bad work when it comes to pushing. Because it's when it comes to swimming, especially if they go under once, they're going, like, oh, I'm dead. Yep. Before what's the, what's that like? Uh, what what is it like to push a child mentally, physically in your spot? Well, it can be scary because sometimes they don't they don't want to. I mean trying to get a kid to nail their first pirouette. Sometimes it's, they're really unsure about it. I Explain mean, what a pirouette is. Uh, a, like a turn. Like if you think of like a very uh, stereotypical, like, oh, ballerina doing a turn, that's, you're probably picturing them doing a pirouette. Um, and so, I mean, you can do that in ballet and jazz. It's technique can be a little different, but either way, it's a turn on one foot. So gotcha. it's scary for children who also are still figuring out their own just like humanly balance Mm. and so telling them like oh you're going to be turning on one foot can be scary but seeing them finally get it is just so inspiring and then then they never want to stop and then they're just spinning (laughs) around the room and you're like okay but we also do need to do other things how how much strength does it take because i i don't know much about dance Mm -hmm. but i do know that ballet there Mm -hmm. there is something where like you're on your toes yes a lot yeah. How important? How much time does it take to master getting onto your toes, like, 
and not breaking them. So, like, when you're dancing, like, on point, I guess you mean? On point, yes, um, that's, yeah. So, I, no one should really ever be on point before you're, like, at least, I say, like, 12. Um, just to have that, like, the stronger bone structure. Um, but it does, it takes an incredible amount of ankle strength and um, balance and knowledge of how to already have this control over your body. I mean, I haven't actually, personally, I haven't even danced on point since I was 18. Oh, neither have I. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've never danced on point. But there, it is really, really amazing that like the human body can even do that because you feel like, no, it shouldn't be able to. But I, the shoes are also made for it, um, which helps. And they're made to support your foot as you're doing this, which is super, super important. But having that already previously created, like, ankle and calf and f- full body strength to be able to think about lifting yourself up as you're dancing is super important. When I saw the Titanic for the first time, that was the one thing that always caught my attention. You know that scene where they're dancing in a third class fashion and she's like, yep. she's like raising and then she just bop, falls. I'm like, how did you not break every single toe? Yeah, I, I never understood that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about the shoes because there's different kind of shoes that you have to wear for dance. Yes. What, um... What are some of the fun, funner parts of, of the shoe? Like, uh, how does a ballet shoe different different from a, a tapping shoe? Different from like a clog or like yeah. That kind of so thing? like, I mean, a, a basic like ballet slipper would be canvas or leather and flat and just supports your foot very like loosely. I mean, it's not very different than like a sock. Oh um, really? And that I mean, it's made out of either canvas or leather, so not just like. Sock material. I don't even know what socks are made out of. It's but like, probably cotton. Pro- probably. <laughs> um, but it's it's very similar in that it gives you a lot of mobility and freedom in working through that ballet technique. So when you're working through um, getting your tendu all the way forward and you can really see the arches of your foot, it's really helpful. As opposed to when you get onto point, you are like in a wooden box and then a, a, sh- a shank thing. And so it's still supporting you. But those can also eventually break, and that can be challenging. And then, I mean, you have, like, jazz shoes. You have character shoes, which come in many different heel sizes and strengths and ankle strengths. Like, my favorite character shoes are a boot, actually, so it gives me full ankle support mm. as well as a, like, two-and-a-half-inch heel. And, I mean, tap shoes have, like, the... tap and taps. Yeah. So, I mean, all of the shoes are made specifically... For what you need to do. Um, they're all great. They're all so expensive is my biggest qualm. <laughs> Don't doubt it. Because you, you probably have like a collection of shoes. Uh-huh. Here's, here's like the stereotypical, oh, here's my shoes. And yep. it's like all these fancy shoes. But here's you. With the, here's my shoes. And, and it's all these dance. wild shoes. Yep. Exactly. So uh, what is it like to work in tap dance shoes? Because I'm sure I wouldn't be able to take myself seriously. So every time I stepped, it went clickly clack. <laughs> Um, I mean, it is fun. It's very, very fun. It is very tempting to not stop clickety-clacking, um, which can be challenging. If you put a bunch of kids in tap shoes and you're trying to teach them a dance and they just want to be making noise, it's like, okay. But, I mean, also when I do the same thing, so I really can't judge them because it mm-hmm. is really fun. Um, but it's I just think tap is such an incredible art form and the fact that it's just percussion with your feet. Like yeah. the fact that that is something that we can do and have created and yeah. it's amazing and so so cool just to watch, to hear, to do. What is what are, what is the main difference between tap and ballet? So many. I know. I, I know that's why. <laughs> um, well, um, I mean, the techniques themselves are very, very different just in general because you have ballet has this this structure of all of this turnout and this specific way to do this for this reason. It's probably been developed for a very longer time. Yeah, than and tap, tap kind of came out of creating music with your feet. And so the way that that technique has developed over the years is going to obviously be very different because you're actively trying to make noise with your feet, whereas in ballet you are not. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, with tap it's more about being very light on your feet, but ballet mm-hmm. it's kind of more grounded in some aspects. Um, 
It depends. It depends. I mean, in ballet, you always got to think about, like, use that plie. Right. But also thinking about, like, think up and think float. I mean, right. I, th- yeah. there's so much to it. It's you could go on for hours. It's always been interesting because I love tap. It's so much fun. Uh-huh. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is tap and clog kind of similar? I've never studied clogging, mm. um, but I think so. It's clogging is the same kind of idea where you where you make music with your feet. Uh-huh. It's just I don't think they have the clickety clackities. No, it's the, it's the shoe itself. What are, what are the click, clickety clackities called? The taps. The, oh, they're just literally called taps. I, I think. I could one hundred percent be very wrong. I now I'm like. It sounds it sounds more specific. <laughs> <than> clickety clackities. <laughs> no, I'm concerned with myself. So uh, as we're wrapping up our time here. Um, Granted, we, we don't have a lot of time today, unfortunately. I want to get to some of the more generic questions. Okay. Okay. So, being in this industry for yeah. a long time, you have learned an immense amount of knowledge. I I like to say so. <laughs> well, going to college, I'm sure yeah. you're pretty, from where you started at zero years old, I'm sure you've gained yes. an immense amount okay. of knowledge. Yes. <laughs> he just came out just dancing immediately right yeah d- no I- <laughs> so what is one thing that you know now that you would wish you had known when you first started your craft keep in mind why we do it like yeah i keep saying train and train and work hard which is all inherently so so true but at its core, theater is, we're getting paid to play make-believe because as human <laughs> beings, we are inherently wired for telling stories and copying other people. Like we are, that is just who we are as a species. And so it's, I think, important to remember that what we are doing is playing pretend to tell stories and just remembering yes work super super hard at it but i mean that's why we do it i remember uh you know these posts going on on facebook all the time uh tell me your job without telling me your job it's like well i get to pretend make believe for yeah. money <laughs> yeah Li- i mean literally and it's it's great because who didn't like to play make believe as a kid like it's- right it's exactly <laughs> and granted there are people who were engineers as a kid too and love doing that yeah. uh and you know but lincoln logs yeah. Same thing as, yeah. as theater, if you think about it. Very true. He's pretending, oh, this is my log cabin, and I'm living in it. Yep. So what are what are some things that you didn't expect when you came into this field that have happened to you? Um. Oh, gosh. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to remember back to, like, oh, when I was a small child, and what, what did I expect? Um probably the I mean how much I've just made it a huge part of my life like (laughs) when I was a kid yeah I I wanted to do this but the fact that I am able to make theater my entire life right now without like being on Broadway because I think as like a child Mm. you kind of think like Broadway's the goal yeah which I mean it's it's great yeah I love going to see Broadway shows but there's so much more to the theater industry and the art of performing and creating theater art than needs to be on Broadway. Like, it's so important for everyone everywhere. And I'd argue that in a lot of cases, there's a lot more talent in the local scene than there might be on Broadway in some cases. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I, I know that for sure For within regards to the music scene, especially nowadays, there's a lot more talent locally than mm-hmm. there are in, in the pop charts, per yeah. se. Um, so what, granted, because theater, you can get this giant ego, you can get these giant um, big space ideas. What mm-hmm. keeps you grounded? I think maintaining friendships, especially maintaining friendships with people who are not in theater, um, to remind myself that like there there's life outside of you. <laughs> <laughs> there's life outside uh, of make-believe. Like... I mean, I personally, I don't, like, I definitely would struggle more with uh, a lack of 
confidence as opposed to having an overbearing ego. Mm. But um, it's always e- either way. It's still scary and uh, a problem that comes with working in the industry is like, am I not good enough for this, or am I like too great for everybody else? Like that's right. always going to be these temptations of anybody who does this. So reminding myself, work hard. Why do I do this? And also, there's more to life than this. As much as I love it, there's, I mean, there's other human relationships that need to be like focused on and nurtured and there's my spiritual life that needs to be put first and thinking about the fact that theater is so so important but that there's so much more to life so then the inverse of that Mm -hmm. uh besides god what is your biggest support uh family and friends and your family always supported you yeah, I understand it. No, support it. Yes, understand like, it. No. Like, like the, I, I love my family so much, but they definitely don't fully understand why I want to do this, or why, or like how it really works, or like why I keep doing this. Um, mm-hmm. but they always come and see my shows and be supportive, which is really, really appreciated. That's exactly what my family is like with, with doing this podcast because it's, it, well, for it's purely a passion project for me. I don't make mm-hmm. any money currently off of this. Uh, so it, peop, my parents are always like, granted, my grandmother came out of, was like a depression baby, so she's like a, or, well, she wasn't, she was a baby boomer. But uh, growing, growing up by prof- depression people, she was like, why aren't you doing something that makes money? Yeah. <laughs> And that's a lot of that's a lot of the struggle for theater people. Oh, absolutely! Because yeah. it's it you're not ever guaranteed a role ever, never, and it's it's so much. I'd argue that theater is a lot like faith. Yeah, you gotta have so much faith in yourself. So much it's because it's literally blind, blind, blindly putting yourself out there to be like, hey, this is me. I'm gonna do a great job in this role, and you should have me. Yeah. It takes a lot. It of, is. It's, yeah, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of uh, strength, mm-hmm. mental strength, because rejection is a hard thing to oh, deal absolutely. with. Absolutely, especially with your first one. Yeah, and then you got to get over that and be like, okay, I just got to do it again. Got to do it again and, <laughs> and again and again. <laughs> yeah. So in in the 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 prospect of this theater world is that you're going to get way more re- rejections than you are going to get yeses. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to deal with. That's not what most people are used to dealing with. Oh, at not all. at all. A lot of people wouldn't even think about wanting to keep doing that. They'd be like, why? Why, am I, why do you keep doing it? Why am I torturing myself with all this rejection? Uh-huh. And that's why you got to get rid of that. I mean, yeah, you can feel the rejection, but you got to get rid of that notion that, oh, I'm just going to be successful all the time. Yeah. Because you're not. Yep. And that's just life in general. You're not going to be successful all the time. And you have to be, especially with theater, you have to be okay with the rejection. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you, you're going to be a stronger person if you're okay with the rejection overall. Because yeah. that's going to apply to so many other aspects of your life that you are never, you would never have thought of. Oh, absolutely. What was one of the uh, funniest things that ever happened to you on stage? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I've, like, tripped and fallen multiple times i'm I'm such a klutz like and i i think that's actually something that like a lot of people don't think about performers is like oh well you're on stage and like you you can dance you can't be clut- no i'm so clumsy so like even on stage sometimes like you fall down and then you just get back up or like i like hiccuped during a line um i feel like i should have like a thousand more funny stories um I don't know. <laughs> I'll give you one. Uh, when I was Shrek, uh-huh. uh, it was our last night, and you know things go get silly the last night, and um, it was the scene where uh, where I burst into the the wedding scene, right? Mm-hmm. And what happened was is that Fiona and one of the guards, uh, Fiona, are she took the flowers. And what she did is she just smacked the, the guard full force of the flowers. And I couldn't keep myself together. Because, you know, Shrek has that, like, song oh, yeah. before, like, like, yep. the, the, like, the reprise. And I could not <laughs> keep myself together. Because I like to laugh. And I have a hysterically ridiculous laugh. 
um, when I get really into it. It was the hardest thing to keep myself in control while singing this really hard film. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Laughing. and Yeah, I guess breaking character is also something. Yeah. Especially when you're laughing breaking character. That's definitely. <laughs> it's it's really hard. <laughs> Especially when you have, uh, like, scene partners who are actively trying to get you to break because they right. think that's hilarious. Like, okay, yeah, maybe it is, but also, no, stop. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, it's, it was only high school, so it didn't really, really matter then, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this has been a wonderful time. Thank you so much for having me here. This was so much fun. Yeah, where where can they find you? Like, like find your work, find find it. Uh, any like that okay. stuff? Uh, oh, like uh, social media. Yeah, social stuff? media okay. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on Instagram, I'm Autumn Alex Phillips, and um, I don't remember my Twitter, or TikTok, or anything. So I don't know. <laughs> Go from there. Um, <laughs> you can find her at Re Revival Productions. Yep, I am always, I am there like every single day. So if you ever just happen to stop by Revival, uh, I will definitely be there. What are some upcoming shows you might be involved in? Um, well, I'm not involved in The Wedding Singer, but that is the teen show going on in September. And then uh, there will be a Midsummer Night's Dream and Clue coming up in August and October. Cool. With all that said, you can find us at The Story Corey Rosen. Search up that on all streaming platforms. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N. You can also search that on Facebook, and it'll we will come up with the uh, red neon and the <laughs> red brick background. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful... Oh, there's merchandise coming out. Yeah, that's right. I got <laughs> stickers. I got stickers. Uh, Autumn has one of the stickers. It's really cool. I don't yeah. even know where this camera is. So it, the camera's over here. Oh, hi. So the sticker, it's the story. You can uh, DM me. And I'm also coming out with hoodies that have all the 51st guests on the back. That is so cool. So if you want a hoodie or a sticker, you can DM me at uh, Corey Rose. You can follow, you know, find my personal profile. That works too. But if you want to... Uh, you can find us on Instagram, the underscore store. Oh my goodness, the <laughs> underscore story underscore podcast. You can DM me there. Find us on Facebook if you want a sweater, it, and that'll all be pre-ordered right in time for the fall season. Ooh, yeah, fancy. marketing fancy. <laughs> <laughs> With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day and join us back for Thursday. We're gonna have Rich Ruoff, who was the owner of the chameleon club here in lancaster and the starter of roots and blues which is coming up july 9th and 10th with all that said i hope you guys have a wonderful night and see you guys later <laughs>